He really, we talked about in staff meetings about having, make sure that we have a nice little, you know, uh, video presentation type thing. He worked so hard on all this, but it can't, we can't run it this morning. I don't know what's going on. So, uh, but on his, on his uh, tablet here, it looks really good. <laughs> so if you want to individually come up here and look on his tablet, and uh, so you get a little bit of an idea of what it's all about. Good morning, everyone. Technology, hey? No. No. So, yeah, these little things. I was really, really smart. Jessica, you'd be so proud of me. She's so good with this kind of stuff. So after I put everything, I thought I'm, I never knew you could do this. Send an email to yourself. Okay, you probably know that I didn't. So why would you send an email to yourself? When I, it doesn't make sense. But I did. I thought if this thing doesn't work, I'll just send an email to myself. And then when I get here, I'll just open the email. And we put this thing in. It's been such a morning. The men's toilets are not working the way they should. Our live streaming is not working the way it should, but that's okay because we can just ask Jason to come and help Jason's at home. He's not here today. That's okay. We can ask Manuel. Manuel's preaching at another church. He's not here today. So, okay, put this thing in. It, it doesn't open this program, and which is weird because I have the same computer as that one at home. So why it doesn't open? I, don't, I think it's God saying I don't have to work with computers. Just for me, not for you, just for me. I think it's a sign. The Lord is saying, my son, this is not for you. Just preach the word and be happy. So, in any case. So, new sermon series, which I'm going to have to change up completely because I had so many pictures that I wanted to start it off with, is the wise, W-H-Y. There you can see a pair of glasses with two question marks in the glasses, so. That's where we're starting, the whys of life, because so many times people go through stuff, and what is one of the most often heard questions you ever hear? Why? Why? Come up for a prayer line. Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? And last week we had Pastor Chip speaking a little bit about a desert experience, how the Lord led him into a desert experience. The week before that we had... Um, the Jacksons here, and they were speaking about certain things and a desert experience that they went through and things like that. And, and so many times afterwards, even after these two uh, weekends, you know, in the prayer line, when you pray for people, people come up and they said, man, that resonates so with me. I'm in a desert. And a lot of people can say that, and, and many people say that. So my first question is, why are you in the desert? Nope kind of look at me weird. What do you mean, why am I in the desert? I'm, well, you said that this sermon series or this message resonates with you. Why are you in the desert? Well, I don't know. I just came here so that you would pray for me. Well, there's no use me praying against the enemy while you in the desert by yourself. The enemy didn't take you there. If God took you there, you don't want to get out of the desert. You better stay there until you learn what you learn. So why are you in the desert? I don't know. Okay, well, now we've got to find out. What are you doing there? And so many people just want to get out of the desert because it's not nice in the desert. But there's a reason you're in the desert. Sometimes it's you. Sometimes it's God. Why are you in the desert? So the whys of life. I mean, this sermon series can carry on for a year. and We'll never get to the end of the whys of life. But we're going to try. So for today, I'm going to have to 
swap and change things up. So just thank the Holy Spirit for the anointing. It's not the computers that make an amazing sermon. When a football team has finished with their game, before they even go to the practice field, they go to the video room and they watch videos. Before they go to the weights, before they do the push-ups and the bench pressures, before they throw the balls, before they run around the field, they watch videos. Why do they do that? For two reasons. They want to see what they did right, what they did wrong in their own team, what's working for them, what's not working for them. But they also want to study the other team. They want to see the strengths and the weaknesses of the other team. So when they do this, if they shout this, that means they're going to do that. They want to see exactly what the other team is going to do when they play them the next week. So they take a whole day and they watch and they study and they look at other people, what they do, how they're going to play on the field. So they try and learn about the tactics of the enemy. That's what they're doing. It's not that they've got nothing else to do. Okay, let's pop in a video and sit off and not run around the field today. They do that for a very, very specific purpose. And in our lives, we need to do the same. We need to take a video, sit down and look what's working in our lives. What are we doing that's going well? Where in my life have I improved? Five years ago, if you look back, I was financially, I was at this place. Spiritually, I was at this place. In my relationship with other people, I was in this place. Five years later now, are you doing better or are you doing worse? And then the question is why? Because in our God, in the kingdom that we are in, we always should be moving from glory to glory. We always should be moving from faith to faith. That's how our king works. So if you were doing better five years ago than you are now, there's a problem. There may be a reason for that, but you need to find out. So you need to take a good look at your life, look in the mirror and say, okay, have I improved? Do I have more friends than I did five years ago? Because last week during the tithes and offering, I said, if you want to be a friend, it means you need to be friendly. So have you become more friendly over the past five years? Do you have more friends? Are more people wanting to hang around you than people when they get in your presence, they just don't want to be around you anymore? Why is that? Have you improved if the second scenario is the case? Are you doing better? So this is what we should do. And then if things are not working, okay, this is what we can do to fix them. But now you have to know how your enemy, the devil, works as well. We all have different personalities. We all have different gifts. We all have different talents. And we all have different buttons that the enemy can push. So if he wants to get you angry, he knows exactly what button you have. And he just needs to push that button. Have you improved on getting rid of those buttons? Or do you still have the same amount of buttons or more today than what you did five years ago? Because you should have fewer or less buttons in your life today than what you did five years ago. The enemy should not be able to just come walk by, push a button and set you off. Should not be able to do that. So you should be looking five years ago going through a similar circumstance and say, oh my goodness, look how I handled that five years ago. Look how immature and childish I was. 
Look how upset I got. Look how angry I got. And now, praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. I'm not going to get upset about that anymore. Why? Because I've grown. I've got rid of that button. And too many of us have too many buttons. And the enemy just comes, walks by, and presses a button. And then he, he doesn't even have to do anything. He can just stand back and enjoy himself. Because you're just running the show in fear, anger, bitterness, hatred, whatever the case may be. And you're now doing something that you should not be doing just by the press of a button. So how many less or fewer buttons do you have today than you did five years ago? Or do you have more? We have to look in the mirror every day and take an account of our life. So that's what the teams do. They look at other teams, what they do good and what they do bad. They're not out there hunting demons. They're not looking for a devil behind every tree while they watch the enemy and what they do. Jesus did the same thing. And Jesus was definitely not demon hunting. He didn't go out looking for a devil behind each tree. But there were certain times where he explained certain things and told the people, this is what the enemy does. Be aware. Know that the enemy comes and he does this to you. Be aware. For example, in Matthew 12, Jesus says to them, when the enemy comes and he, by a demon, is inside of you living and the demon gets chased away, what does Jesus say? That demon goes, looks for a dry place, wants a place to rest. If he doesn't, he comes back. It's not Jesus looking for demons and hunting demons down. He's explaining to you the works of the enemy so that you do not have to be in darkness concerning this. So Jesus says, then he comes back, but he brings back seven mates who are stronger than him. And they come back into that same place. So when you get cleaned, you better lock that door. You better fill it up with God. Okay. Not demon hunting. Telling us the strategies of the enemy. Explaining to us why things are happening and people saying, well, I thought I did this, man. I thought I did go for counseling. I thought I did go to get this devil out of me. And, and it's just worse than it is. Why is that? Oh, well, maybe when you got that thing out, it's like what Paul says in the Bible, put off the old, but don't stop there. It's not good enough to say, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to the club on Friday. I'm talking to myself. You go, you enjoy it. I'm not going to the club on Friday night anymore. Okay, what are you going to do on Friday night now? Because I can sit at home, think about the club, and then it's just as good as if I was there. So I'm not going there anymore, but I'm now going to a Bible study. I'm now going to watch movies with my Christian friends. I'm now, whatever you want to do. Put off the old, but don't just stay there. Don't just get saved. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Praise God. I'm on my way to heaven. I sit on the sofa and I wait for the rapture. I have to now go out and live this life with Jesus on the inside of me. I have to now go and make disciples. I can't just say I'm saved. That's enough. Put off the old. When you and I wake up in the morning, we put off the old pajamas, but we put on the new clothes. We don't just put off the old and leave the house. If you do, you will go to a funny place. You put off the old and you put on the new. It's the same in the spiritual realm as well. So this is what Jesus is explaining. This is what happens. The enemy goes out, looks for seven, comes back. And so, so Jesus is just telling people 
what the enemy does, how he works. One of my favorite ministers or teachers is an evangelist, Jesse Deplantis. He tells a story when he was in an airplane. And there was this demon-possessed person in the airplane that sat close by him. So realizing the demon is there and God is wanting him to get this person set free, he's like arguing with the Lord. <laughs> Come on, not on a plane. I mean, in any case, long story short, he gets this person delivered. The demon comes out. And all these people are freaking out because they've just experienced this that you only see in movies. So Jesse thinks this is an amazing opportunity. He says to everyone else on the plane, do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that that demon will go out and look for seven others. And if you are not filled with God, he will come into the inside of you. Who wants to be saved? Says the easiest altar call he's ever had in his life. So Jesus explains certain things, why certain things happen. God never has to change. He's always right. We have to remember these two points. God never changes. Never, ever, because he's never wrong. He never has to do something that he has to say, oh my goodness, can I get a do-over? I'm sorry, I never. And meditate, think upon this. God is always right. So even in your mind, if you think you are doing everything right and you are not putting a foot wrong and there's something that God is not doing, you're deceived. You're believing a lie because God is never wrong. And so many of us believe that lie of the enemy. God is holding out on me. God is not giving me everything I should be getting. I'm doing everything and it's just not working. Where is God? If you love me, doesn't your word say? And we're in trouble once we go down that road because God is never wrong. The enemy is never right. Get this. The enemy is a liar. The enemy can't create anything. He takes what God has created and he twists it. Okay? So God is always good. The enemy is always evil. There's no evil. There's no bad. There's no darkness in God. There's no good. There's no light. There's no love in the enemy. And it should be so clear between these two systems, the Babylonian system, the kingdom of darkness, and God's system, God's way of doing things. Yet sometimes it, it looks like there's, there's a little bit of both in both kingdoms, and it should not be that way. We should be absolutely sure of, okay, if, if there's lying, stealing, killing, hatred, fear, that's not of God. No matter what part of life it is. That is not God, and I want nothing to do with that. Remove yourself from that, because too many people get involved in things that are not of our kingdom, and they ask, why is it not working? It's because we might be partaking in something that God doesn't want us to be a part of, because his kingdom works on a different way. So God never changes. What the enemy did in the Garden of Eden, he's still doing today because he can't change. He does exactly the same today. He cannot change his ways. 
He doesn't have to because it's been working for 6,000 years so amazingly. Why would you change your ways if it's working so well? That all he still does is he comes and he whispers in people's ears, did God really say? Implying that, well, maybe the word is not true. Implying that, well, if God really loved you, then he would make you like him. And God is holding out on you. And then he just stands back. And he watches what you do with those words. He can't change. So he does the same today, people. He cannot change. That's all he can do. And God never changes. Not that he can't change. He doesn't have to change. Because he's always right. He doesn't change his way. So when Adam and Eve mess up in the garden... God comes and says, hey, my children, why are you here? What are you doing? I've made a way out. You shouldn't be naked. He doesn't change. He still comes to you and I today and says, hey, my child, why are you here? I've made the way out. I don't want you to be here. There's a better way. Let me clothe you with my righteousness, with my clothes, and you will never, ever be naked. But even before you got naked, God says, Who have you been talking to? Because I never said you are naked. You've been listening. You've been speaking. You've been in a conversation with somebody other than me. Who have you been talking to? Who are you listening to? I never said this disease cannot be healed. I did not say that. I said, by the stripes of Jesus, you will be healed. That's what I said. So you've been listening to somebody other than me. Who have you been listening to? Who said that you will never, ever have a good marriage? Who who said? I didn't say that. Those are not my words. If I, the prince of peace, am the center of your marriage, then your marriage can work. So you've been listening to somebody else other than me. God doesn't change. He comes today and he says exactly the same as what he did in the garden. Why are you here? The why of life. Why? What did you do that brought you to this, good or bad? And that's an amazing thing. You know, can you remember two weeks ago, Pastor Doug Studiani said, I'm a pastor. When you squeeze me, pastor juice comes out. <laughs> remember that? And that's amazing. It's so wonderful to be in a church where we have a pastor being the pastor. There's so many churches where they do not have a pastor. They have on a program, pastor so-and-so, but he or she is not a pastor. And it's such a blessing to be in a place where we do have a squeeze him and pastor juice comes out. Because he does. He loves talking. He will sit with you and talk and explain how are you doing and how, what, what, what's life? What is going on? Please don't get me wrong. I'm not a pastor. I enjoy being pastor rifle. I love it. But I'm not, I, I don't want to sit and talk with you for 20 minutes. I don't, I'm just not that way. I want to sit and after five minutes, I want to hear why. That's just me. Why are you here in this position? Wow, it's so amazing that you're here. Please teach me how you got here. What did you do in your life to turn things around? What was the turning point? How did you get there? How long did it take? What did God say? Why did you not listen to other people? That's me, the teacher. I want to get down to how did you get to this point in your life? Oh, man, it's so bad. Okay, what did you do that you turned away from God? Is there deception in your heart? Is there something that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing? That's me. I don't want to sit and talk for 30 minutes. I want to hear 
How did you get here? What is God doing in your life? This is so amazing because I can improve myself to get to your position or God has taught me, taught me certain things and I can help you if you want my advice or not. And as a teacher, I can just turn around and walk away. That's just me. But Jesus comes and he explains certain things. So God comes to man and he says, why have you been listening? Who? Because he is the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist. He's all of that in one. He's so amazing. So he comes and he talks with Adam and Eve. He chats to them and he wants, but he also wants to know who you're listening to. Who said that? Because I didn't say it. And if I did not say it, it's not the truth. Because I speak truth. Nothing but truth comes out of my mouth. The enemy, nothing but lies come out of his mouth. So you can either be living and believing and strengthening a truth in your life and walk in the light, or you can turn around and believe a darkness which leads to more darkness in your life. It's your choice. So that's how God and the enemy even proved and showed themselves to be in the Garden of Eden, and they never change. Um, I had all these words written out. I had such an amazing teaching here that you could read the words, but we're just going to do this. Can we please have Edward... Matthew 4, verses 1 to 3. Okay. When you are in a storm, it doesn't necessarily mean that you did something wrong. You can be in a storm or in a desert because you're doing something right. Don't just accept the fact that I'm in a storm. What is, no, maybe you're there because God wants you there. Remember in Mark chapter 4, disciples going to the other side. Jesus just gave the most important parable. So sows the word. He says, okay, boys, get in the boat. We are going to the other side. He tells them to do that. They obey. They get into the boat. What happens halfway on the water? They think they're dying. Would that be a storm? Yes. Were they in the storm because they obeyed or because they disobeyed? They were in the storm because they obeyed. So it's not necessarily that because you're in the desert or in a storm that you did something wrong in your life. It may be because you're in exactly the right place that God wants you to be. So I'm in a desert. Why are you there? Did you put yourself there or did God put you there? Find out. Know why you're there because then you know who to fight against or fight with when you're in the desert. So Mark, sorry, Matthew 4 verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. So we can probably quote this. We've read this. This is so amazing. But let's go a little bit deeper, deeper into this. There. Then the tempter. Who is the tempter? Satan. Okay. Can he change his ways? Okay. So what he did in the desert after those 40 days with Jesus, do you agree he's still doing today? Why? Because he can't change his ways. That's the only thing he can do. Okay. What does it mean, that tempter? What does that literally mean? Okay. This is what it means. It's Strong's Concordance 3985. Pairatsu is the Greek word there. This is what that word means, tempter. Look if you can see him in your life right now. To try whether a thing can be done. 
He comes to try you in your life to see whether a thing can be done. Okay. To try and make a trial of something. To test for the purpose of ascertaining his quality or of what the person thinks or how the person will behave himself after the temptation has been brought. That's what he does. He wants to see what you think and how you are going to behave yourself after the temptation has been brought. What are you going to do? So I bring this temptation, this trial, this test, and now he has to stand back because he can't read your mind. Get this. He cannot read your mind. He's an angel. He doesn't know what you're thinking. He doesn't know what's going on on the inside of you. So what he does is he brings the circumstance along your way. He stands back and now he says, okay, let's see what Rifle's going to do. Oh my goodness, he just quoted the word. He believes the word. What am I going to do now? Or, wow, he just said the doctor said he's going to die. He doesn't believe the word. Now I've got him. So he brings that temptation to you to see what you are going to do. He doesn't know what you're going to do. So he wants to find out after the temptation what your action is going to be, what your words are going to be, because then he knows whether you really believe or you don't. Okay? Um, in a bad sense, to test one maliciously. There's nothing kind, there's nothing good, there's nothing friendly about the devil. These little cartoons with, with the devil and a little fork, and it, that's an absolute lie from hell. And people fall for that, and you have comic books of that, and people have got that on children's t-shirts. It's the enemy, it's death, it's hatred, it's malicious. It's trying to kill, steal, and destroy. We should have nothing to do with that. But it's now such a lie. You see it every day and, oh, that's nothing. It's a lie. He's malicious in every single thing that he does. Crafty to put to the proof feelings or judgments. He's crafty to see your feelings. How do you feel or your judgment? How do you judge the word? Do you judge the word as true? Or do you judge the word as, well, maybe God will do that for you but not for me? That's what he's judging while he's bringing this temptation along your way. He wants to see how you're going to judge the word. He's trying to see how you're going to act once he tempts you. Okay? To try to test one's faith, virtue, character by enticement to sin or to solicit into a sin, to tempt. This is still that same word. That same word, that's what the enemy does today to you and I, okay? Listen to this in English. He scrutinizes, which means to examine in detail with critical and careful attention. He examines in detail with critical attention what you're saying, what you're doing, where you're going, how you're believing, all your action. He every this is not devil hunting. This is just what Jesus says. When that tempter comes, that's what the tempter does. He cannot change his ways. So he comes and he does all of these things. Why? Because he wants to see how you are going to behave. You see, if the enemy had all power like he pretends to have, 
in the garden of Eden, he would have gone to Eve and said to her, you go and you eat that fruit right now or I will do this and this and this to you. You will obey me. Do it now. He didn't. Why? Because he didn't have the power. So what did he have to do? Tempt Eve. Is it true that God said? Now there's that little seed in the back of her mind. He doesn't have all power to make you go out and stay away from your wife all night, husbands. He doesn't have the power for you not to honor and to love your husband's wives. He doesn't have that power. He will bring a thought or a circumstance along your way, and then he wants to see what you're going to do with that. Because if, if he had the power, none of us would be here today. He wants to kill you with everything that's in him in every way that he possibly can. So the fact that you and I are still here today sitting in this room with all this flu and stuff going around, there are more sicknesses that they're discovering every single day, and here we are in this, this day and age listening to the Word of God. If he had the power, you and I would not be here. So he comes to try you. He comes to tempt you. He comes to try and make you believe that the truth is not the truth. But the truth never changes. So all in that little word, the tempter, that's what he does. He entices to lead on by exciting hope or desire. He leads you on by exciting hope or desire. If he can get you to go and watch a movie that you and I have no business watching or a television program that we should not set our eyes on or have our ears open to things like that, exciting hope or desire. Wow, if they believe the word and they confess to be Christians, but they go and watch that movie, let's see if I can get them to do something darker and deeper because the movie's really not that bad. Life from hell, that's where it gets you. So why? Why? There's so many little things that is out there. And before we go to that movie, Holy Spirit is there saying, don't go there. Don't watch it. Don't turn it on. Do that. He's always there. And he comes from the Prince of Peace. And the peace that surpasses understanding is ours today in this dark world. And nothing can take that away because that's the truth. And you and I have the choice. Do we want to live in the darkness with all of that stuff? Or do we want to just every single day have the peace that surpasses understanding God, our hearts in Christ Jesus? To the point where people will say, don't you care? Don't you see what's going on? Are you ignorant? How can you not know I just, uh, I have peace? The peace that surpasses all understanding guards my heart. And I know the kingdom that I am in is not of this world. If it were, I would do things differently. And that's what Jesus says to Pontius Pilate. He says, are you a king? Who do you think you are? And he says, if my kingdom were from here, I'd fight. I'd do things differently. I am a king, but my kingdom is not from here. So don't judge me by what I do. My kingdom is not of here, so I'm not going to fight and argue. I will say this just in here because I see a lot... Um, the enemy comes, those buttons that we have, everyone has different buttons. My button was, was alcohol, woman, drugs, those, those three, and, and it all stemmed out of pride. My, my pride, how many women, how many drugs, how much could I drink, how much, that, that was my pride, number one. And if anyone could come and just, 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 oh my goodness, just touch my pride, just make me feel, 
I was gone. I was, that was me. And I remember when leaving Taiwan, when God told Tiffany and I to leave, and I went to my principal and I said to her, you know, a few months in advance, we're leaving, we're not coming back. She said, you know, please come here, blah, 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 we need you, we want you, we want you. It's so nice to hear. I said, I can't. She said, why not? I'm explaining to her about God. She has no cooking clue about God and his will for my life and anything about that, but I'm telling her. So she said, listen, yeah, just come back for one class. The parents, we, we just, just one class. And while I'm standing there, I'm almost willing to say yes, just for one class, because we need you so much. And I was saved. I was preaching. I was a pastor. But just that the enemy just tried to come in with that little old, that, that little pride. And, and, just, and I stood there and I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, Nelly, get thee behind me. What are you doing here? Because we got buttons. So he wants to see what buttons he can push. So if he can't push this or this or this or this, every four years in America, some people have a political button. And all he needs to do is just push that political button. Because you see, Edward, can we have, um, I don't know if I wrote it up there, James chapter 3, sorry. See if you can find it. From verse 13. Check this out just quickly if we can find it. If we can't, it's okay. But it says there that, thank you. Listen to this now. Get this. I'm not saying don't get involved in politics, but make sure how deep and how you get involved in politics. Because some of us are called to politics, but there's a way of doing politics. Just like there's a way of doing money and a way of doing everything. There's a way, the kingdom's way of doing politics. And just to let you, I'm not American, I can't vote. So I'm not here standing for a Republican, a Democrat, and I can't vote. I'm just saying the kingdom's way. This is what the word says, okay? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom, where there's bitter envy, your way, my candidate, you said, her part, this, where there's bitter envy in your hearts, does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. That little baby, little devil with a little fork, it's demonic. It comes from hell. For where there is envy and self-seeking, confusion and every evil thing are there. So you can, I can have certain conversations with people about politics, and we can talk and have a good conversation, and other people I can't have a conversation with because they get so, and he said this, did you see on Facebook that video where these people did that? And they, I'm like, oh my goodness, no, I'm out of here. I don't want any, because you see, it is better that your candidate lose, but you have peace and the kingdom of God in your house, then your candidate wins, but there's confusion and every evil thing that goes with that win. Be very, very careful because people without even knowing it are so deep into politics. They're offended. They're angry. They're bitter. And they're partaking of the enemy's ways. And God cannot bless that. It's not that he's against you, 
But that kingdom that you're partaking of when you get so into that is not of him. That is demonic. It's earthly. It's sensual. It's not from God. So what the enemy comes, he'll just maybe throw something out there on Facebook about another party or another politician or these people's fans or this or whatever the case may be. And he's got that button. And now he stands back with joyful and he looks at how you destroying your home yourself your country your people your church because there's no peace in that and he just loves it but king i don't care who is the president i'm so if you don't know this i'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news no political party or president can save you or your country no political party or person can save any country King Jesus and King Jesus alone is the hope of all nations. That's just the way it is. So people may say, man, I love this book. I'm a Christian. I do this. I do that. You shall know a tree by its fruits. And now I can be talking about five different people there. And you have one in your mind as I'm speaking now. But be very, very careful when you get involved in this. And that's every four years. And the other three years, it's sports. And the other, there's so many ways that the enemy's there. And he's trying to say, did God really say if you say this? And these are people made in God's image. Do we realize that when we put these things up there and say this about, these are people made in the image of God. And other men and women criticize and say things that are horrific. And yet claim to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, the master himself. James also says, he says, does a fountain have good water and bitter? This, my brethren, should not be. So people should see by the way you talk about your candidate and other candidates. Wow, there's something different about this person's life. Wow, they just said that they don't vote for that person, but... Man, they just said something good, or they just said, I'm not going to partake, or, you know, that's not for me. Whatever the case may be, but let your light so shine. When everyone else picks up stones and starts throwing at people, just drop and walk away and say that. that if my kingdom were of here, I would pick up stones and throw with you. But it's not. My weapons are not carnal. They are mighty. You think a stone can do damage? Do you know what me on my knees can do? Do you know the damage that that can do to your kingdom? So we need to be careful of these little buttons that the enemy comes all the time to press. Because he's trying all the time. But he can't because we have the wisdom of God. We have the mind of Christ. We have Jesus in us through the Holy Spirit. We have the word to lead and guide. I mean, how can we not win? How can we not be victorious? doesn't matter who's in the White House. This kingdom is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And the darker it gets, the brighter the light shines. You can turn out all of the lights in here and you can have one little lighter or one little match and turn it on. Everyone in this room will see the light. That's what we should be outside there. In all of this darkness and chaos, people should see the light. Let our light so shine that people can see our good works. Why? That they can glorify our daddy. It's all about him. He made every one of those people on those stages. Everyone who's talking, everyone who's running, everyone who really cares, everyone who doesn't care. 
He made all of them and he has a perfect plan for them just as he has for me and you. Sometimes the only difference between me and those people are his grace that I've realized, which they haven't. So let's pray instead of pointing the finger. And let's partake of God's ways instead of the enemy's ways. God loves all men, all women, all colors, all races, nationalities, all kinds. There's not a human being that's not the perfect will of God. His dream walking around in flesh. Who are we to diss someone because we disagree? Be very careful because that's what the enemy wants. That's time for today. That's all we have. There's just so much of this out there, people. Check your buttons. Check your buttons. And, and be open when you do. Say to someone, listen here, if you see me getting a little bit upset about something, then come and tell me. I'm open. I, I want you to come to me and say, hey, listen, wow, you know, I understand you enjoy politics, but whew, listen, let's take it down a notch here. I understand you enjoy sport, but you know what? That, that's not really. Just calm it down. It's, it's not worth kicking the peace out of your house to be right in any circumstance or situation. We're a people of peace because the Prince of Peace is our King. So let's pray. Stand up, please, everybody.